beyond the pages. We're glad to have you with us. Each week, we'll be talking with our reporters and taking a deeper look into their stories. As always, let me quickly introduce my co-hosts, Melissa Watson, our news director, and Morgan Fontenot, our news reporter. Today, we also have a special guest filling in for Aaron, George Clark, our Allons editor. George, you like to say something to our listeners? Yeah, hi everyone. I'm really happy to be here. This is a big milestone for me, being on the internet. Uh, <laughs> I'm a senior in English Lit, and I'm graduating this December. Awesome. So uh, let's just dive right into it. Melissa, this week you covered a uh, rally in front of the Union supporting Nike. Can you tell us a little bit about the rally and what it's like? The ULBSU, so the UL Black Student Union, hosted a rally. They all got together and wore Nike products, Nike apparel, in support of Colin Kaepernick. I don't know if this is a little late, I guess, but (laughs) Nike did run an ad. Uh, with Colin Kaepernick in it, who, if you don't know, is a quarterback who knelt during the national anthem to, to protest police brutality for a couple years now, and he's a really controversial figure, and so they all got together and wore Nike in support of the ad in support of Colin Kaepernick, um, and they were going to have a photo op in front of the porch, I guess is what it's called, it's the big structure in front of the swamp. Yeah. And I was uh, actually recording a Facebook Live of them all getting together about to take the picture, and as soon as the clock strikes 12 when they're about to take the picture, it pours down rain. Oh! oh and they're Lord. all screaming at the photographer to hurry up and take the picture. Oh. And so <laughs> so I stood there for a while in the rain trying to keep my phone from getting wet. And eventually they all went under the awning and took the picture anyway. But it was really interesting because it wasn't just about the picture. I talked to a few of the people there. Um, Kitten Jackson, who's the president of the ULBSU, told me that it was not only to take the picture and to to post that online, but for students to see all of them together, yeah. you know, in support of something, you know, especially if they disagree with the cause that Kaepernick supports, that they could see that there are students on campus in large numbers that actually do agree with the issue. And it was funny because um, Kenton Jackson actually was wearing not only Nike, but he was wearing a Nike jersey of Colin Kaepernick. Oh, wow. Which was interesting. And I think, I think that's actually something that's been pretty popular online. Their sales spiked like 30% yeah, or something yeah. online after after they released the ad. So, uh, yeah, that, that's just a student organization. They got together to support that political cause. I talked to some students who weren't in the rally, and they said that they supported freedom of speech. And, oh, okay. You know. So it, it wasn't just people in solely support of, uh, of Nike. It was just in support of... Nike and freedom of speech and, uh, I guess, no, the, the overall cause. And that's the thing is that, um, yeah, they wore Nike because it was an easy way to, to symbolize their support. Yeah. But I did talk to one student, um, his name's Rainer Kane, and he's very smart. And he said that it's actually more complicated because he doesn't know how he feels about corporations using social justice issues yeah. in their advertisements yeah. as platforms, which I also, you know, I think that that's a good point. And not really a lot of people That's are talking about line. that. That's a thin line. It is a thin line. And a lot of people are either, oh, I hate Nike because I hate Colin Kaepernick. Or they're like, oh, I love Nike and I want all the Nike because <laughs> I, I support Colin Kaepernick. And some people are like, well, why? what does Nike have to do with Colin Kaepernick? Yeah. What does Nike have to do with police brutality? Nothing. Yeah. You know? And that's that's an issue at the heart of this is what's really going on here. Do they really like Ka- Colin Kaepernick or are they trying to make money off of yeah, they, they really social like justice the efforts? I guess that's a that's a... Yeah, that is a thin line. Do they support the cause or do they support, you know, money? And as a corporation, you would think, oh, they support money, but at the same time, they did take this risk. 
Yeah, but it's a, I mean, buddy man. I mean, I think <laughs> it's course, like a, it was a super, super calculated risk because I think they knew that they were going, they were going to make, you know, back double the money that they would lose from customers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's complicated, especially with a company as big as Nike, where they're routinely, you know, exporting labor and exploiting uh, children and having awful labor practices overseas. And then they're, you know, having to up their production to meet the new demand. So it's a super messy situation, no doubt. That's the thing, too, is that, like, they, all the people that have come out in disagreement with Nike, they've already bought their shoes. Mm -hmm. They've already given Nike the money. Nike is missing nothing by doing this. Yeah, and I've seen people, I saw a tweet, uh, I think, I hope I didn't make this up in some weird fever dream, but it's, (laughs) it's, you know, it could be real. Uh, But someone was, like, talking about how they were specifically ordering Nike merchandise to set on fire. Which, oh, if wow. that's not shooting okay. yourself in your own face, I okay. don't know what is. Cause... So, I mean, at the same time, I, I'll say I I really appreciated seeing Colin Kaepernick's face on Nike's ad. It's uh, it's different. It's, you know, it was controversial. It's stark. And it gets people talking about police brutality and talking about what Kaepernick was doing. So, at the same time, I... I I absolutely think Nike did this for, you know, money reasons, but it does kind of bring in a bigger topic. I did want to ask too, Melissa, uh, were there students that did disagree around the rally to come and show their, I guess, their protest? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think everyone who was angry about it probably cleared out by then, or Mm -hmm. they just really didn't give them the time of day. Maybe they only cared enough. For the rain, and then when the rain came, they're like, "Well, I don't care this much." <laughs> How much uh, advance notice was there for this? Event? Not very much. Okay, there I'm was about that's... two days beforehand. They posted on Instagram that mm-hmm. they were going to get together at the union and wear Nike. And uh, Kaylee actually sent me the link to it. Kaylee Broussard was our uh, our former managing editor. Right. Uh, she's in Arizona right now, but somehow knows more about this university than we do. <laughs> or she just, I don't know, she follows ULBSU. I didn't even know they were on Instagram, but uh, I saw that and I, went, and I went and it was really interesting and it wasn't it wasn't aggressive. It wasn't very upfront. It was just kind of a, a, a solidarity mostly Yeah, is what I saw. Um, what were they going to be doing with the photograph? Were they sending it to Nike? Were they tweeting it at Colin Kaepernick? That was kind of unclear to me, but I get the impression that they were sending it to Colin Kaepernick. Or that awesome. they were going to try to. That's um, the place that it, need, it, it needs to go. And they did have a photographer there who I talked to. His name's Yusuf Davis, and he was also very intelligent. And he talked about how um, people who disagree with the Kaepernick issue should look deeper into it because Kaepernick actually got advice from veterans yeah. about what he should do. And he ended up kneeling, you know, regardless about how you feel about, you know, what Kaepernick is doing and whether or not it supports the troops, you know, you do have to acknowledge that he at least tried to talk to someone who's yeah. military connected. I, I know I've said before that my husband was in the military. When he was in the military, we couldn't care less what was happening in politics. As long as, you know, we paid the bills, that was it. Like, you know, the... <laughs> It, support the troops is, is a very nice uh, thought, but actually supporting the troops is, you know, giving to troop organizations, uh, supporting the families at home, actually going out and, uh, you know, like UL does, we have all those veterans organizations. That's supporting the troops. Just saying, like, putting a, like a, 
a sign in front of your yard that says support, support the troops has nothing to do with actually supporting the troops. Uh, that's, I'll get off my, my soapbox. That's a, <laughs> that's a big that's a big issue for me, I guess, because my husband was in the military. And at times, you know, you don't, I guess, you just, you need solid support and not just a post on Facebook on Memorial Day. But um, moving on, Melissa, you also covered the Title IX suit uh, last week. That was a huge bomb that dropped uh, around the university that our president asked for an independent investigation. Yeah, so um, it actually came out. The news broke last week pretty suddenly, and we actually broke the news. Go us. We did. Online with a brief um, that... President Joseph Savoy of UL Lafayette and the director of athletics, uh, Maggard, Brian Maggard, they have both been accused by nine former softball players for UL Lafayette of um, sexual harassment and violating certain Title IX stipulations and gender discrimination and a whole bunch of other slew of things. But uh, mostly uh, two of the accusations actually centered around Joseph Sackwell himself. One of them mentioned him by name and said that he hugged inappropriately after games and that it went to the point where she felt uncomfortable hugging him after games. Another one implicated him by title, saying that there was an administrator slash president uh, touching girls inappropriately after the game. And Sackwell has vehemently denied these allegations. He sent out an email saying that he uh, is actually in support of the investigation. The investigation is being independently conducted by the University of Louisiana system, which is uh, encompasses University of Louisiana at Monroe, etc. Yeah. And he supports the investigation because he knows, or at least he says he knows, that it's not going to come to anything, that all of these are going to be proved false, and that he thinks that they should be, still be taken seriously, yeah. etc., etc. Now let's go, uh, if you could go into a little bit about what Title IX is. Title IX is a piece of legislation, federal legislation, that mandates federally funded and federally aided programs to treat the sexes equally or at least bars them from discriminating against people on the basis of sex. Mm -hmm. And we are underneath this because we do get federal funding. Title IX is the reason why we have to have softball if we have baseball. It's, it's the reason why we, there has to be equal opportunity and equal treatment of the sexes underneath this legislation. And the violations that they're, that they're talking about um, have to do with specifically being treated poorly because they are a female athletics mm -hmm. team. This actually goes to the next topic, that around 10 months ago in November... UL Lafayette fired uh, Michael Lotif, who was the softball coach at the time, um, for some uh, combination of allegations, whether it be sexual behavior, inappropriate language, uh, you know, assault, whatever, against the softball players. And there was a large backlash by players and fans and parents of players alike that these were lies mm -hmm. and that they fired him because he brought up Title IX violations that the university had committed yeah. by uh, locking them out of their uh, facilities, not mowing their grass the same like the same way that they mowed the baseball team, yeah. basically treating them less than the male players, especially whenever you look at the way the football team is treated versus yeah. the softball oh, team gosh. is treated. And I think it's also uh, important to point out that Lotif brought our softball program to a really high level. I mean, we were, I, I think at one point in time, our softball team was ranked yeah. very highly. 
Um, and that's why that's why the suspicion came out of this. And a lot of the girls talked really highly of him. I know a few of the girls transferred after They did. Moti. A lot of them, at least five, transferred and, and left the softball team after that Lotif says got fired. a lot right there. After Lotif got fired. Um, they, and, and they sent letters to the university about the firing of Lotif and their grievances and never heard back ever. Oh, okay. Um, and the type of uh, complaint that they fire, uh, filed was with the Office for, for Civil Rights with the federal court. So mm-hmm. they filed, like, a formal complaint. This is not just, like, they posted on Instagram about it. They filed, like, an actual legal complaint. And one of the women is actually Chelsea Lotif, which is Lotif's daughter. And in her complaint, she says that she knows that certain players got perks and jobs and scholarships from the university directly after they agreed with the accusations against Lotif. Oh, okay. Wow. That's a uh, that's huge. It's very deep. And then the lawyer that's representing <laughs> them, her name's Allison Jones. Yeah. Not only is she representing them in court, she is actually representing four female professors from this university. Really. All with accusations of, di- of female of uh, sex discrimination against the university. She released a statement. I forget the exact wording, but it, she basically says that UL has had a history wrought with this, where they try to sweep it under the rug. Yada, yada, yada. The university says that that's, of course, not true. Yeah. And it's it's interesting. She is um, based in Shreveport, and we'll see what comes out of this. But, yeah, nine, nine former softball players all at the same time just in April sent their complaints, and then just now the investigation just got kicked up because they took them seriously. That is a uh, – I feel like we we're not even close to hearing the end of this. No, absolutely not. This has so many different layers to it. This is directly connected to something that happened a year ago, basically. Yeah, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. So in a, a stark opposition to that story, um, George, <laughs> you covered ballet this week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, let us talk about Nothing ballet. Nothing bad happened, uh, <laughs> except a bunch of dancers didn't make the cut. This fall, uh, the performing arts program is hosting a bunch of different ballet instructors from around the country who are going to come in and do a really intense one-week residency uh, and write their own ballet, which will be performed this fall as part of a, a dance showcase. So last last, yeah, last week, week. Uh, it was Eric Rivera who teaches at the Virginia Commonwealth University. Oh, okay. Uh, he teaches ballet there, and before that, he danced for almost 15 years in New York City uh, as part of Ballet Hispanico, which is the the premier uh, Latino uh, ballet group. Uh, and he was a principal dancer, so he's you know on stage all the time. Wow. Yeah. So he, so he must have really high bar. He, yes, and that is a good ballet pun. <laughs> uh, so uh, he came down, uh, and he uh, it was about a Gosh, how long was it? It was about a four-hour audition period um, where he uh, first, uh, one of the UL's ballet instructors did warm-ups with the dancers. There were about 20, 23 or 24, I think, auditioning. Um, and then um, Rivera stepped in and he had them go through a bunch of uh, steps that he had planned out to try to figure out who was going to be best suited for the piece he was working on, which he was, he didn't begin writing as soon as he got here. He'd been working on it for a bit. But okay. when I talked to him, he was telling me about how his ideas for projects like this, because he's done this, 
done this a couple other times, uh, he has to be rewriting throughout the whole week because each dancer moves differently or they, he, they have different characteristics oh, that he wants okay. to bring out. So he has to rewrite the So the he writes for a dancer rather right. than... He okay. comes in with ideas and then has to... He likes to have the, the dancer's own unique expressions kind of finish the characters that he's writing. Wow. I imagine the, uh, the performing arts department was over the moon to have him there. Oh, yeah. They, uh, they were very excited. Uh, and then just, I think, this weekend, there's someone else who, uh, the, the next in their installment of instructors uh, is a, an alum of UL. Really? Yeah, she graduated uh, from here with her BFA and then got her MFA at Hollins, which is very very tiny, exclusive, all-women's college in Virginia. Wow! Yeah, and then now she teaches in North Carolina, and she's coming down here to do her own ballet. That is so awesome. Now, um, uh, when is the uh, capstone event for all of this? I believe it's in November. Um, okay. But there are other... Uh, there are other events put on by the performing arts uh, dancing students. I think there's one in October. I believe there's a ballet then. But this specifically, these are being created for the State of UL Dance event, wow. which I, uh, happens every fall, I believe. And it's like a, a massive showcase of all these different little sections. And it's a yeah. wonderful time. Yeah, awesome. Well, hopefully uh, some of our listeners will uh, be able to go to that. I recommend it. Yeah. Now, while I have you here, Festival of Cadian is coming up. Yes, it is. I know you had some feelings on Festival of Cadian. Mm -hmm. Can we? Can you go into that a little bit? Well, I have a complicated. I have complicated feelings about <laughs> Festival of Cadian. <laughs> That's what this is for. Yeah. Complicated feelings. Uh, so <laughs> it was the first. Uh, I guess first real Louisiana festival I ever went to when I came when I moved here from yeah because you're not from around the area right I am from very far north in Seattle and so that was the first time I'd been able to see like what you know what this whole Louisiana festival thing was and I remember uh, thinking I was like I'd never seen so many families or such big families in such a <laughs> you know such a in a park all at the same time. It was very strange, and then there was all the the Cajun music and whatnot, which I I wasn't I'm not a huge fan of Cajun music, but it's fine, uh, and that's also a complicated <laughs> feeling I had because I feel like I should like it, but I don't. Um, and then there was all the food and stuff too. It was like it was very overpowered. I felt very overwhelmed by everything. I'm sure you um, did. And then after that, it was uh, Festival International, which mm. blew blew my mind. Yeah. Because it's like the, the grown-up version of Akkadian <laughs> uh, with, the, you know, they're bringing in musicians and artists from all around the world, and then it, you know, goes on forever, and then it takes over the whole city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, I saw Akkadian as like Mardi Part 2. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> but also right during, you know, finals week in the spring, yeah. which is a major downer, but... Which is why we always we don't get to always cover it, right? Because yeah. we're not allowed to put on an issue for finals week. Which I'm mm -hmm. sure a lot of people don't know is your know, finals week is dead week for everybody, including the Vermilion. Yeah. So if you're ever wondering why we don't cover uh, festival internationals, because we're not allowed. Yeah. The best we've been able to do, or that that we've done since I've been here, is we've been able to do previews of it in the in the weeks leading up to it. So. I and uh, other people have written 
uh, like little preview sections about the bands coming in or like memories from last year and whatnot or blend those together. Yeah. Uh, because it's such a big thing, it really shouldn't be going unwritten about. Yeah, no. Morgan, since you've been quiet, I have to ask you. Um, <laughs> sure. Do you go to Festival of Cardia? Um, Actually, I, I've never been to Festival of Cardia, but I'm probably going to go this year. My uncle's actually a Cajun musician, so I'm probably going to go. I usually work his shows. But I definitely go to Festival International. I was also going to ask what it's like for a Cajun at Festival of Cadena, but Melissa, have you gone to a Festival of Cadena? Yes. I am one half Cajun, so I'm kind of... <laughs> What? I'm sorry, uh, No, I've gone. I've gone. It's very... It's 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 a lot. It's a lot of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of... There's music. There's about a couple stages of music. But then there's about, like... 60 different restaurants there mm-hmm. and you just get to sample all their stuff which is very nice mm-hmm. and then whenever i went last year the weather was beautiful which was nice but it's interesting it's interesting that's in gerard park yeah it's interesting that's in gerard park mostly because they say you're not supposed to bring your dog and everyone brings their dogs anyway yeah. because mm-hmm. it's a park people bring couches <laughs> yeah that's the whole kind of there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> yeah. and there's a lot of really interesting sites um I remember uh, I was meeting my boyfriend there, and I said, I'm I'm by the huge uh, beer mug, which is a huge inflated beer mug. <laughs> it's just like, there's a, there's a lot of different little opulent things. That's a good, uh, that's a good description of Lafayette. I'm near the huge <laughs> beer mug. There's just a big balloon that's shaped like a beer mug. <laughs> that's awesome. That is great. Uh, finally, I wanted to uh, bring Morgan back in again and ask her about... Uh, she went to Fight Like a Girl this week, and it was a really interesting event, and I'll let, I'll let Morgan tell you guys a little more about it. Yeah, so I went to Fight Like a Girl last week, and I had no idea about this event, um, that it was even put on. But ULPD and SLIDE, which is an organization on campus that stands for Student Leaders Involved in Drug and Drinking and Drug Education, they put on this event once a semester. Fight Like a Girl had two guest speakers. Um, one was Michael Louvier. He is actually a, a lieutenant who is part of ULPD. And oh, wow. his partner, Burke Vaughn, who was in law enforcement for approximately eight years. And he was actually a martial artist for 28 years. Wow. Yes. In what? In which, which discipline? Do you know? Uh, I'm not sure. I just know he has a lot of accomplishments. Um, <laughs> he's a black belt. So, yeah. Wow. So, he um, pretty much demonstrated all of the, you know, techniques and the moves that we did. It wasn't, like, too intense because they didn't want to go into, yeah. you know, all that good stuff. But they did. We did. Um, they did demonstrate and let us, you know, practice on a partner. Um, so, you got in on this yes recording. i did i so actually participated and i was yeah and i asked a lot of questions because i was very interested um in it you know because i just i think it's so important like for especially college students especially females to especially on this campus yes there's a lot of dark places on this campus yeah there's a lot of dark places on this campus in fact lieutenant louvier asked he said before coming to this event, where did y'all park on campus? Did you park next to a light? Mm-hmm. And you should have seen my face. I, I was just so like, oh my goodness, I don't even know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so I was, you know, like taking into consideration, you know, park next to a light because you never know who can be hiding anywhere, you know? Yeah. Um, they actually share a lot of stories. Um, One thing I thought was really interesting about this event is that this event said it was for... Um, 
all women identified mm-hmm. and not just biological us women. Right. Uh, yeah. So I talked to Lexi Louvier. She is a student aide for SLIDE and she said it's all um, women identified. Uh, and she said it's not that men aren't welcome. They just mm-hmm. want to give, you know, women a space to feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely understand yeah. that. I guess if you if you've been assaulted before, um, you're not going to be as comfortable, you know, seeing someone of the opposite gender or the opposite sex there. Like, well, I'd rather say. Um, and that's I, why I sent you and not Aaron or CJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad I went because I, I did learn a lot. And um, one of the stories that Berg Vaughn uh, shared with us, um, ladies, if you're listening and if you like to go party downtown, this is a story for you. Um, he's he told a story about this girl, and she went outside the bar, I guess, you know, to take a smoke break or maybe get fresh air or something. Mm-hmm. And she, I think she went to her car, and this guy um, was in a van next to her and literally just grabbed her and pulled her into the van. Oh, my God. And what happened was, like, you know, she was freaking out, but Vaughn, the advice he gave was think. Your mind is racing 100 miles per hour, but all you have to do is just think what you know what can I do what can I say to get myself out of this situation in the safest way possible so what the girl did which I think this is very clever I would have never thought of this she told him don't hurt me um I told my girls um I was looking to find somebody to go home with tonight so if you if you would let me just go tell my girlfriends um that I'm going home with you like we can go to your place my place and he said okay hurry up and he what? let her out the van. Wow. And she ran into the bar, told her friends, called 911, and so they came. So whenever the cops showed up, they were like, so she, you know, she described, you know, the van and stuff. And he said, they're like, is it a green van? And she was like, yeah. They're like, oh, well, he's still sitting there. So <laughs> I think they, what Vaughn said was that they ended up just pulling him out the window and immediately arresting him wow. right then and there. And I'm like, how stupid can you be? But, you know. That was one of the stories that they shared with us. But also, just some tips that they gave was anytime, you know, you're by yourself and, like, let's say you're, like, at Walmart at night or something um, and you're coming back, always look under your vehicle if somebody, you know, because some people can't fit under certain vehicles. Look in your back seat to see if anybody is laying in your back seat. Always remember to lock your vehicles. Definitely lock your vehicle. Forget about that part. Yeah, definitely lock your vehicle. Um, Check to see the cars that are parked next to you. If there's a sliding van, be careful. Well, that what they told us. If you see a sliding van, just don't even go in your car at all. Like um, that's a little different. But one thing that I've heard, we're on episode two. This is already getting uh, weird. (laughs) Is that if you if you soil yourself it's less likely that they'll take you. Yeah, I've actually done yeah, that. Yeah, no, seriously. Yeah. But is that easy to do? Um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess it's like you're throw scared up, enough. Maybe. Yeah, yeah make if you make yourself throw, throw up, if you can soil yourself, they're less likely to take you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw this uh, <laughs> this link on Facebook. They had this little boy who was abducted, and I don't know if it's true or not, but he got sent back because he was just singing gospel music the whole time. Wow! And they just gave them back so yeah well this is uh this has definitely been an interesting episode let's say that (laughs) um thank you all of you guys for listening this is the rage beyond the pages and uh we will be with you guys next week